1: Dean Castronovo, just wanted to say thank you so much for listening. And you are listening to Jay Scott and the Hook Rock.
2: Click people! <laughs> and conquer us until
1: you roll.
0: everybody. Good evening to you. Hope you're having a great day. Looking forward to a, a great week here. Summer is almost upon us. We're at the end of spring, but you wouldn't know it because the weather is hot and steamy and humid, at least here in Chicago it is, and uh, rock shows are being announced. I'm going to see Nielsen Trust, which is Rick Nielsen's band with his da- uh, sons Dax and Miles, and Nick Perry's opening up for him. So I'm stoked about that coming this Friday. Uh, really interested in seeing them. I got tickets for Joyous Wolf coming up here in a couple weeks. Uh, they're touring uh small club about 45 minutes from me. So I am excited to finally get back into the swing of it. Uh, once again, as I always say, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. We are part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. You can find them and on all the other old episodes of the hook rocks on pantheonpodcast.com. It's on Twitter as well and on Facebook. Subscribe to us wherever you do podcasts so you get the early release of every episode dropped before we do it on social media. You can find all old episodes wherever you podcast, Google, Amazon, Spotify, Apple, and write us a review. Let us know what you think. We're always uh, looking forward to your thoughts and your feedback on every interview and every discussion that we do have We do always offer an escape for you talking music commentary, things that affect rock music. We have great interviews with legacy artists and new bands, and we have one today. I'm really excited for this interview. It's from a band from Georgia. The band is the CEO, and the guest today is Mac Mullins. What's going on, man? How are you? Jay, brother, how you doing, man? I'm telling you, we're really excited to be here with you. So, uh, you know,
1: obviously it's an exciting time for us, you know, after a, a crazy year and the, the album basically sitting on the shelf during the uh, the pandemic. So as we get close to that June 25th drop date, uh, we get more and more excited and glad to be talking to folks like yourself.
0: Yeah, that's awesome, man. I, I did read in your bio that I got that this album was ready to go last year, but the pandemic kind of put a halt on that put a pause on that
1: yeah us and a lot of other people as you can imagine so you know it, it it just didn't make obviously we can't support it or couldn't last year and you know being a new uh act you know that's uh obviously crucial so we uh we shelved it or the label shelved it for a year and now we feel like it, you know timing is good you know i, I heard at the uh the top of your uh, introduction there that obviously you got some shows that you're going to go see and uh, so that's great and the you know uh, Seven Dust those guys are getting back on, on the road and uh, as soon as they're done uh, we should too so looking forward to it.
0: Well, we got lots to get into, but we always start the same way every time we have a first time guest on the Hook Rocks, and that is the essence of the show. Just like every rock song has a hook that sucks you in, every rock fan has a moment, whether it's a song, an album, a band, or performance. That hooked them on rock and roll. What was it for you?
1: Uh, Without a doubt, it's 1977. I am adopted and getting my first Christmas, my first real traditional Christmas as you would. First gift I got opened was Kiss Alive 2. And you can imagine opening that gatefold, seeing that photo, dropping the needle on Detroit Rock City, and that was, uh, that, that's what got me. So from that day on, it's been um, it's been crazy time ever since.
0: I am a fan of Alive 2 more than Alive. I like Alive, but because I heard Alive 2 first, I'm always partial to that album.
1: That's me. It's exactly the same way What about Alive? I mean, yeah, Alive was cool, but that's not the one that I dropped first that really hooked me to the band. And, and you know, and I wore those songs out. And, yeah, for me, exactly the same way. Love Alive, Alive, too, is my, uh, that's my, uh, my religious experience in music, if you will.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's got five uh, studio tracks, Larger Than Life, that I love. And, of course, Rocket Ride. I mean, that's like the, that's like the big song off of that record.
1: Without a doubt, I love that entire you know everything about from the drum solo to the, you can hear the bombs in the background to all of it and people can say what they want to about it. We're in the studio. I'm just going to pretend it's '77 and that's Cobalt Hall.
0: You know, my only complaint about that album is that Mr. Speed from Rock and Roll Over does not appear on it.
1: Yeah, it's funny you say that. Mr. Speed is one. Um, there's uh, what's the Gene song off of? Um, um, uh, uh,
0: rock and roll, uh, rock and
1: roll. Over God, I can't, I, Ladies' room.
0: Party? Ladies' room that appears on the album or love them, leave them.
1: No, not on the album. That I wish that was. You know. Yeah. You
0: yeah. Know? No, it's it's um. That's the only disappointing thing I have because I I love that I love that song. So where did it uh, where did it go from there? From Kiss Alive 2 what was your journey into rock music in in singing and performing?
1: Yeah, well, you know, of course, you. Know, I, I listen to Kiss a lot, too. I want to be a rock star. I want to do that whole thing. Hey, Dad, can I be a drummer? Well, when you grow up in a small little three-bedroom house in rural Virginia, you know, drums are not optimal uh, for, uh, you know, close quarters, if you would. So that didn't work out. And then I'm like, okay, well, what about guitar? Well, that didn't work out either. Again, way too loud, you know, for such a small little place that we were in. And they said, hey, how come you just, uh, you know, I want you just sing. Well, Singing was probably the worst thing they could have picked because here I am streaming, uh, you know, uh, old Kiss tunes as loud as I can in my bedroom. So they probably would been better off me being a drummer or a guitar player, but that's really where it started. So, I mean, I was hooked at that point. It was, it was, you know, be a rock star or bust. Well, that's a cool idea until you get to be about 21, 22. You know, the entire world changes when uh, Nirvana shows up, uh, you know, and I'm going uh you know clearly this isn't going to work out for me the way that i thought that it would maybe i should go to school and so but we're going to keep playing at the same time keep riding keep playing in bands but i probably need to start a career so you know, did that uh you know did the whole career thing still doing it wife kids that uh that whole thing but still kept playing music and right along with it so some guys uh you know quote-unquote, make
0: it at 21. Other guys, quote-unquote, get a break at 50. And that happened to be me. So, you know, obviously, you know, 21 years old and, and you know, Nirvana comes out and, and, they're, and they're huge all over. Um, how did that affect your journey? Did you still stay on the path? Were you able to incorporate other things into your music in terms of your your influences your 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 style of playing your your music writing your lyrics
1: yeah you know at the time you you fight that kind of change you know what i mean you're you're, you're so into what's happening here you know you're just van halen it's kiss it's you know guns and roses and you know your world is uh you know that particular genre and you're loving everything about it and then next thing you know some some uh, some guys in flannel and, and sneakers show up, and it changes your world. And you know, of course, some people embraced it, thought it was great. Other people hated it. And I, you know, I, I have to say, uh, at first, I uh, avoided it, hoping that it would go away. Well, clearly, it didn't. It's just like any other music; it evolves. And if you're going to be successful in music, you probably should evolve too. So it took a little bit of maturity, and maybe that's why I'm just now, uh, you know getting to the point where I'm having conversations with folks like you because it took a little while for me to uh, to adapt and 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 basically you know be relevant and, and current and modern and that kind of thing. So
0: music's all about timing too. You know, what you don't like years ago, decades ago. You may hear it now and because you've experienced life and you've you know been able to mature you know, you mentioned maturity too as well. It's it, it sounds different, you know, and
1: it does. It, it does. And you have appreciation for those guys now that you know when I'm fifty, and I listen to you know, Soundgarden or, or Pearl Jam or even uh, Nirvana and that kind of thing. Bands that, you know, artificially put my hands up against, you know, without even really giving it a chance. You get a certain maturity and age to you and then you go back and listen to it and you're going, know, this was brilliant. I mean, we, you know, it, it was relevant then. You know, there's some uh, music that came before it that was relevant, music after it that's relevant and you start to realize it's good music is good music and it doesn't matter what label they want to put on you. So, uh, I... And it's really, and whether you believe it or not, you get some influence from these things. So, and I certainly did.
0: I don't know how many times it's happened to me where I have brushed off a song by a band, and a couple of years later, a few years later, I'm in a club getting ready to watch a show, and they're you they know the PA's is playing the song, and that song that I resisted for so long is played over the PA, and for whatever reason, it just hits me in the right moment. I'm like this is a really good song. Like, why haven't I ever listened to this? Like, this is a really good tune, you know? And it's just, and it's cool. yeah, it's an atmosphere yeah. or whatever, you know? Yeah. And you rediscover some stuff you missed and you're like, man, how did
1: I miss this? It's crazy. You know? And then it's kind of like uh, Christmas all over again. So yeah, you know, it, uh a good song. It's a good song, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like I just, uh, over the last few years I've, I've, uh, connected with thin Lizzy, who I always resisted when I was younger and I was never really into him. And now it's like Man it's like Christmas all over I get to enjoy this band That's got this great catalog of music That's just totally awesome
1: Yeah without a doubt Yeah I'm exactly the
0: So the band is the CEO And the debut album comes out Later this month And uh, you are The lead singer And explain where you guys came from Explain how you guys developed
1: Well you know It's, it's funny it's you you hear a lot of these guys talk about, ah, you know, we grew up together or we're friends or we came together, you know, via this or via that, You, you know, the guys in this band, you know, I literally played in and around Atlanta with for years. I mean, we were in cover bands together. I mean, we had an Ozzy Osbourne tribute band, uh, that actually did really well, uh, you know, throughout the country. And it, uh, it was just a case of, right, we play together, we like each other, we're buddies, you know, and, and even though we, we span a couple different generations, you know, I've got two guys in the bands that are in their 20s. Uh, one guy is in his 30s, of course, Vince and myself are, you know, in our early 50s. So, you know, it was really just a bunch of guys that liked each other, that respected each other's music uh, abilities they kind of came together and found out that, you know, we're, we're more alike than we are different and, uh you know, Creating this musical gumbo, if you would, actually works. It's it's cool. You know what I mean? What Vince brings to the band, and what Chase brings to the band, and Joe brings to the band. I mean, it all just kind of creates this. You know, I don't, I wouldn't say unique as much as it is. It's just it's just
0: us. It's, it sounds like us, so it's cool. How did you guys find each other?
1: Well, like I said, you know. It, just like any other music scene, you know, it, it, it's, it, you know, Atlanta's a big town, the Southeast a big area, but you know, it really isn't when it comes to music. You get to know these folks in, in different bands and then you start working together. And you know, someone suggested this person or that person. And of course you can't live in the Southeast and not be a uh, seven dust fan. So everyone knows Vince and, you know, he's, they, they call him a boss for a reason. So, you know, he was able to help us out when we were first getting started. And, um, Come to find out he liked it so much. He says, uh, you know, we were like, hey, why don't you come be our bass player? You know, tongue-in-cheek type thing. And he said, sure. And, you know, that's, that's like hitting a grand slam in the bottom of the ninth. And you're like, okay, awesome. And that's really just kind of how that worked. You know, we've, we've known each other for a long time. They're really good friends and even better musicians. So it just worked.
0: How was the collaborative process? I mean, this is a new band. You guys are all seasoned musicians. You know how did that work? Did you bring most of the material that you had written, or how did all that come together?
1: No, you know it's funny because you know these guys, like I said, they truly are friends. So you know they would get together and just start writing songs. So you know again, we've got a you know a thirty year old drummer who's been influenced by you know you know Pantera and Griffey, hanging out with. You know, the guitar player who's, you know, is in his early 20s, who's working with a singer in his 50s. And it just kind of, you know, they're starting to write music and they would shoot me ideas and whatever just kind of fit and, and, and just flowed well. We went down to the studio with probably 20 songs that we showed uh, our producer Elvis and, you know, he went through and he picked out the ones that he liked. And that's really kind of how this album was done. We had no problem writing songs and writing music. In fact, we've got a ton already written for the second album. It's just a matter of, uh, you know, whittling them down into something that's uh, consistent.
0: Are you the primary lyric writer of the band?
1: Yeah, I'm the only. I, I write all the lyrics and vocal melodies and that kind of thing, and they write like the music. So,
0: When yeah. you're writing lyrics, you know, where do you find your inspiration? Is it personal experience? Is it observation? How do you uh, how do you tap into that?
1: Yeah, no, it's definitely personal experience. I mean, it's it's stuff that I know about. I've experienced that. I see things that I think and feel. I wouldn't, you know, I'm, I'm not the kind of guy that's going to write, you know, "Hall of the Mountain King." While it's a cool song, I'm not that creative. So it's really just down to you know things that are going on in the world, in my life, my visions, you know, how I you know, interpret things, or you know, there's relationships and friendships and that kind of thing. So yeah, definitely more for my experience and 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 vantage
0: point because it's a tough thing to do when you're when you're writing about personal experiences right because not all experiences are great you know there's good experiences there's bad there's sad there's happy and you've got to tap into that and relive those experiences and there's a sense of vulnerability when you are how do you overcome that stuff is it is it a therapeutic process for you is it you know something that you use to help reflect on things
1: Yeah, without a doubt. A lot of times you'll listen to an album or a song and, you know, it's really a good window or insight into someone's life or psyche at that period of time. You know, when we first started uh, writing the record, uh, you know, there were certain things going on in my life and I can hear those songs you hear that in the lyrics of the songs. And then, you know, things change, you know, the pandemic comes and the world is a little different, or, you know, you leave one bad relationship and end up with a great one, which is what happened to me. And, you know, you can hear that in the song. So it is very therapeutic. My sister uh, um, committed suicide during the middle of the uh, writing process. So there's a song on there about that. And that was probably the toughest one to write. But again, it was very, uh, it was an ode in some way to her. And, you know, know, obviously top of mind, and it just seemed to work. And so, you you know, those are the kind of things that you draw from. So to your point, absolutely therapeutic. And, uh, you know, honestly, I can't think of any other way that I could. It it just wouldn't be real if I wasn't pulling from things that I actually knew, uh, experienced, or believed.
0: Is there anything that you've experience that it's it's too difficult to write about it's too you know that or or maybe your mind is not ready to go through that process um you know for the most
1: part you know writing a song about my sister uh passing away was tough but we were able to you know i was able to pull that out and get that done you know there's some obviously uh you know growing up in foster homes and that kind of thing it's, it's always a little sensitive subject but you know at my age you dealt with most of that kind of stuff and writing about it and writing about your experience in, in the world is actually at this point, once you you kind of work through that stuff, it's, um, you know, it, it's therapeutic and almost uh, an opportunity to help maybe some other people that are going through it themselves and say, hey, you know, we've been there, we've done that, you know, uh, you're going to be great, you know, and you're going to be all right, so...
0: Yeah, I've always wondered how that process is for people because I've asked that question to a few guests that have been on the show about their writing process and where they find that inspiration and how they tap into that stuff because it's a pretty vulnerable moment. And then, you know, once you write it and you record it, it's no longer yours. It's, it's now the audience to determine how they connect with it and how they react to it. It's a really, it's, it's, so, it's such a unique process that I don't think there's anything else like it in art or in anything that you're writing lyrics, you're singing about something that connects with you, but the ultimate interpretation is what the fan thinks.
1: You're right. And that's such great insight because it's absolutely true. You know, you listen to a song like redemption or, or some of these other ones and you're like, okay, what does it mean to you? I mean, how does it speak to you? I mean, some things are, you know, obvious and other things are are a little more okay however you take this and whatever you feel about it makes it legit in my opinion whether it was my frame of mind at the time when writing it or not so i enjoy you know not only hearing what you liked and what you didn't like but the why you know, why did you like this? What What about it? Is it just the music? Is it the hook? Is it Is it the lyrics? Did that mean something to you? You know, uh, you know what? Is it? is it the mood of the music? That kind of thing. So I'm always really kind of curious. You know, on the flip side of that, he was like, "Okay, well, well, what made you like this? What What about spoke to you?" So it, it goes both ways.
0: The album really kind of knocks you on your ass with the first song, Twin Flame which I just, I I mean, I had to play that song like four or five times before I continued on to the rest of the record because it's just a phenomenal way to open up the record. It goes into Redemption a couple songs later, which is the first single. One of the things that I noticed about this album that I always look for, like initially, every time I listen to something, is how something sounds sonically. Um, And the mix and the production of this album is just A+. It's incredible.
1: Yeah. Yeah, without a doubt, you know, obviously, you know, working with, uh, Elvis Basquett, I mean, is like, you know, hitting a grand slam in the bottom of the ninth. I mean, being able to work with him and the guy has just got the number one, uh, single out with Wolfgang Van Halen and the number one rock album with, uh, uh, Miles Kennedy and Alter Bridge and those guys. So, I mean, his, his trophy case speaks for itself, but, uh. On, on top of all of that and, and, and not only his relevancy in modern rock and roll today um, the guy is extremely talented and couldn't be cooler I mean you think about you know the week before we came in Slash was in the studio I and mean, then Miles King was behind the same microphone that I'm singing by that's very really intimidating especially for a you know quote unquote, new rock act, you know, you know, somebody he'd never heard before. Here are these, you know, guys from Georgia. Of course, you know, Vince has given us the, you know, the nod of approval, but he's never heard us play a lick other than some demos. And you walk in the studio and, and anticipating, you know, maybe he, you know, maybe he won't treat us the same, or, you know, maybe we've got to really earn our stripes, that kind of thing. He couldn't have been any cooler to us, I mean, great guy. He, I mean, he saw the song before we saw the song. Put it that way. In that, you know, we're down there we're writing, we think this is cool, and you know, we have a vision, and he, he sees the whole thing before we're even done with it. That is the talent of the record, in my opinion, it is it is it is kind of like having that fifth beetle, if you would. You know, somebody that really just kind of puts it all together and makes it stick. And you know, he is worth his weight in gold.
0: Yeah, you could tell. I mean, it, it's just a powerful album, sonically, lyrically, musically. Uh, is this what you envisioned? What you guys were going to sound like when when you hear a song in your head and there's you know you're at the demo stage and you know, you still haven't really fulfilled what you what you envision, what you hear. Is this what you what you expected? It is in that, you know, when you start these things, you know, you really
1: don't have a formula, if you would. It's just, like I said, just five guys in a room writing music and, you know, you hit on things that you like. And hopefully there's enough of it there together that it sounds consistent. But typically, once you get towards the end of the writing process and you start working on album two, you, you've got a pretty good idea of not only what your formula is, but works what works well for you. It's like, hey, you know, this is who we are. This works well for us. Uh, we enjoy uh, you know writing and playing this kind of music, and we think that we can grow that. So there's some stuff on the album that we're going. Okay. You know, we're trying this out, you know, this is more of a punchy groovy kind of swing feel to it. And then, you know, there's other ones like top of the track twin flames, which is more of a, you know, a straight headbanger, you know? So it's kind of like, you know, what works, what might not work, uh, and what can we do better next time around? That's, that's really kind of our attitude So Very pleased with this one and, uh, looking forward to, you know, kind of building on that on the next.
0: The band is the CEO. The album is Redemption. It's on Rat Pack Records, out June 25th. The guest is vocalist Mac Mullins. Having this record done and completed and then the pandemic hits and basically skews everyone's plans to get out and play live or promote the album, how was it for you to sit on something that you knew was really good to only release it over, you know, what, a year and 14 or 14 months, 16 months later?
1: Yeah, it was tough because, you you know, obviously, you know, you want to share it with people and you want them to hear it, but, you know, obviously you can't, you know, so you got to sit on it and then, you know, here you're excited about it. And then like any other musician, you know, okay, that's cool. What's next? So our our mindset has kind of moved on to the next one. And then they give you the drop date and then you've got to go back and revisit this one and go, Oh yeah, this is cool. I, you know, I'm excited about this, you know, it is like, uh, yeah, that's a great song. That was cool. I remember this, blah, blah, blah. And you would think, you know, after 14, 16 months that you would still be fresh, but, uh, you know, we really kind of getting to listen and look at it through fresh eyes ourselves, along with the audience. And, uh, it's, um, it's exciting. It's cool.
0: It's like, you know, like we just talked about, you know, you revisit something after it's been done or after you already heard it and it sounds different, right? You have a different perspective on what you did and then also to experience all the things that we went through last year, whether it was the pandemic, whether it was the protest, whatever it was, it was a toxic year all around to write music after that. And when you have this album already done, that's got to be interesting, especially for a new band.
1: Yeah, it certainly is. And it definitely gives you, uh, you know, a different perspective, you know, it's like, uh, you know, what's really important and what's, you know, obviously what's going on in the world and how did it affect you? How did it affect the entire, uh, you know, group and, 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 you know, the, uh, you know, what it is that we're doing. So, you know, it, it's much like anything else in life, you know, we I mean, gain an experience, that is going to shape the rest of our lives, and it, I, it can't help but uh, parlay into what it is that we're writing and playing.
0: When you think of where the direction the band is going, obviously Seven does has some commitments, and you know you guys will be mm-hmm. touring and supporting the album. You know what can fans expect from you guys once you start playing live?
1: Well, you know, obviously the seven guys are going to be out on the road probably three months or so. So once they get back, then, uh, you know, we are, uh, we'll be able to hit the road. And and as you you would expect, the support act for, you know, a similar like type uh, uh, act. So, um, you know, we I am, uh, obviously I come from the kid school of things. So, you know, I would have a, a giant stage um, show that we could but again you know obviously as an opener you get 45 minutes to go out there and kick their teeth in and get them nice and warmed up for the uh the, the band behind you so you know we're we're going to go out and give uh as much as we possibly can in as shortest a period of time as they uh will certainly allow us to do so you know it, the, the energy is there the excitement is there and uh you know i bet you're going to get your money's worth that's my attitude
0: And as far as the album goes, and recording the album, we talked about influences in the beginning. What influences did you guys draw from for this album?
1: Well, speaking for myself personally, obviously, you know, I I grew up on that, uh, you know, the you know the Kiss, the Van Halen, Ted Nugent. I got a lot of like old seventies, early eighties funk. I mean, big Rick James fan. Uh, You know, so I kind of come from that groovy kind of swing type. background but you know i got other guys in the band that are you know like i said are, are pantera guys or you know more of the, the modern more current uh heavy metal so it's it's just like for us it's, it's blending uh you know the old school with a lot of new school and if, if those two work together then we got ourselves a song so i that's that's kind of my attitude
0: how do you balance that too you know because a lot of bands fall into the trap of you know sounding too much like another act or, you know, kind of having no direction with where their, you know, where their music is going. Was that something that was really on your minds when you're making this record is, hey, you know, let's try to blend these two elements or all these worlds together to really make it make it work? What was what was that process like?
1: Yeah, I think a lot of it really has to do with, uh, you know, the fact that they're writing music and I'm writing, you know, lyrics and melody over top of it. And then we're working with a guy like Elvis. You know, it's, it's gotta have certain elements to it that, you know, A, are consistent and B, that work well together. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to, you know, have the music of Pantera when you don't sing like, Pantera, you know, so it's kind of like, does it work or does it not? You know, it's like, well, how do we make it work? So it, it, the formula for us is, is like, hey, does, you know, does it have those underlying elements that, you know, give me uh, space to write? And if it does, great, let's record it and see if it's any good. And if it doesn't, I'll tell you guys, and say hey, this is a great song, but it's not a CEO song, you know? And one of the, you know, little stories if you've got time is a song like Blackheart, which was really written uh, for Nashville. It was really written for the country music guys and they presented it to me as just music and, I'm, and they actually had some lyrics written and I'm like I, I really like the music I don't like the lyrics uh, do you mind if I change them? And uh, they're like no do whatever you want to do with it. So there's actually a version out there that's completely different in Nashville, than this version that's uh, obviously with us. So you probably wouldn't know it because it changed that much, but it's it's cool how it could go either way.
0: That's interesting how a song can evolve into something that you know is different than what you intended it for, or that you maybe just have a different feel for it. But it works for both types of genres.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that's 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 the really cool part about it because, like I said, I kind of just. And I said, nah, it's a cool song, thanks, but no thanks. But then, you know, Elvis heard it, and he goes, I think we got something here. I think we can make something out of this. And they literally handed it back to me the night before we were supposed to record it, and they said, here, go write it. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I listened to what they said over from that night sessions, wrote the lyrics and the melody out, went in the next morning, and got what you hear today. So it's uh, it worked.
0: So... Well, Mac, I appreciate you doing this. I'm really excited about the album. Uh, it sounds great, and uh, I think fans are going to love it, and people are going to really definitely connect with it.
1: Well, I certainly appreciate. Uh, obviously, you guys having us, uh, you know, and, and giving it a listen, and obviously, you know, being a new act out there, certainly appreciate the support. Love to hear the feedback. You know what you guys think and uh, what we can do better. So, certainly appreciate it
0: the band is the ceo the album is redemption out june 25th on rap pack records go out and buy it buy the buy the physical copy they got a bunch of packages on rap pack records that are autographed they got like shirts with it or whatever merch with it and it's that's the way to go don't stream buy buy that physical copy have that connection with you i always say and uh, you'll enjoy it even more but i'd like to thank mac melons the vocalist from the ceo i'm jay scott Please subscribe to us wherever you podcast, follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook. We will talk again soon. Thank you.